Sie hören Sport und Musik. In a world where fans fight over whether to call it football, football, or soccer, two German men defy the odds and call it Fußball. Bringing you inside the German-American Fußball experience. And now, here are your hosts, the Schnitzel Boys. Ah, we're here. We're here to bring you inside German American inside the German American football experience. Right. How is your How is your German American football experience tonight, Stefan? Good. It's good. There's all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff. Um, as far as intersecting the German the American thing, there's always stuff going on. Because the United States has a very, um, well, how would you describe the relationship between U.S. soccer and German soccer? It's very much like a little brother, bigger uncle, some type of situation. Well, I think this is a very. That's very. It depends on where. It depends on where you are, right? Like, I think it's very. It's geography it plays a huge part there. I think the Germans pay very little attention to the American. To True. Americans, but and from the, our Amer- point of view, from the German American point of view, there's a lot going on. From the from their point of view to us, there's very little going on. Right, I guess. Right, I mean they're really into the youth. Right, they love. Just was it in England? I think a couple of the coaches over the weekend. Who was it? Mentioned like, oh, oh, some minor league coach in England, some lower league coach in England. Talked about how Weston McKinney wasn't good enough for the Premier League. Mm. He said that. And he said, Weston McKinney isn't good enough for the Premier League, which is crazy because he's coming off a year and a half of Juventus and Schalke, so he should be just fine for the Premier League. And he said, however, Tyler Adams is very good. And he's like, and, and he said, the Americans aren't bad. He's like, Ger- they all come through Germany. So he said, he like so t- called Germany the middleman in which Americans come uh-huh. to Europe. Uh-huh. And he's right. Because it's like, you know, with Kevin Paredes and, 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 and um, Paxton Aronson and Eintel Frankfurt, the German clubs are ready to buy Americans, just like they're ready to buy people from anywhere, uh, train them, invest in them. All the clubs are ready for yeah. the youth academy, ready to invest and give them some time and maybe a loan, but, but really rarely a loan, usually training. And then they're ready to invest and create players. So that's yeah. what Germany does for us. You know? I, think, I think that also has really changed um... – Culturally, in Germany, there used to be much fewer younger players. I think there's now really an influx. And this is not necessarily just, obviously, they're not all Americans. Right. But uh, uh, there's young players from everywhere. And I think this is more, it's become more part of the of the business model, I think, in the Bundesliga that you develop young young players and then you se- you sell them, you know. I was, I was watching Leeds and... And uh, I think Hoffenheim executives are still probably laughing all the way to the bank that they got 30, 38 million for Giorgino Rutter, who is, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see how he, he, he has not exactly looked Premier League ready to me. I don't think I ever, I, I never really thought of him as 
uh, I mean, I guess he's very young. He's 20 years old, so he, he's got that going. There's the possibility of future. But I never watched Hoffenheim going like, oh, that guy's going places. I thought he was fine. And so to get that much for him, I think Hoffenheim is probably feels good about feels good about that deal and so that's that's become more and more i think part i think the average age in the bundesliga has 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 gone down a lot in the last uh uh however many years and so that's definitely a trend there's less bald spots in the bundesliga just just before (laughs) yeah just before it went on i thought to my you know i'm i'm still in player age kind of i'm 36 there's 36 year olds that play professionally you could still you could still make it well, I could still still hope for me, but no, I I'm bald. You know, I'm balding. I'm balding for a long time. I have a beard. I wonder if I was ever more athletic if I'd bald like this. And you, you know, back in the day, like in the '80s and the '90s and the '70s, there were players like if there were 30 year olds that looked like 40 year olds. You know, what I'm talking about they had they were bald. They essentially were bald or they're balding with big bald right, spots. Right, right, right. They had sort of the the kingpin type comb over. Yeah, yeah. You know, like like a a uh, Tom Dooley is a good example of that. He's like a German dude. He played for the U.S. but He's a German guy, but like when he was 30, he looked like nowadays. That's what forty-five-year-olds look like. <laughs> you know, back right. when he was like in his thirties. Well, I think yeah. that's that has that is that has to do with a trend in the in the hair replacement industry, right? I think it's like Wayne Rooney sort of started that, right? The hair plug where it became no, plugs. Plug. <laughs> Did Wayne Rooney get plugs? Am I not? Is that not? Uh, is that not a thing? That's my. I think I'm, that's I'm my curious. Impression. I think it just became people just just sort of do more more about it i think in the in the in the 70s and 80s when i was growing up you just let the hair just sprout like whatever you had you 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 grew a lot of and then whatever you whatever you didn't have you just didn't have but now i think i mean i think that's a general trend soccer players much more quaffed than they were in in my youth for sure that's a good question how many soccer players Go through like hair therapy or hair replacement therapy. I assumed it was all natural. We'll never you know. know but I think I, 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 think, Rogan. I think there's there's a lot of that. I don't think I think men in general have, have are, are spending much more time and money on their appearance than they than they used to or thought. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That makes me feel better because I spend no time on my appearance. So I'm 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 retro. I'm right out of the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> I look like a you're, a man, you're old school. I'm old school. I'm old you're school. old school. You're uh, old school. I'm just old. Yeah. Well, you look good. You look good. You look. If people oh, say who's the younger one, I'm sure you would have gotten plenty of votes. I'm, um, I am. Uh, I'm. I'm 52 years old. I do not. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind saying that. You look good. You look good for 52, my friend. Thank you. I do not look amazing for 36. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to look way better than me, but that's not. I'm not, I'm not here to shame. This myself. is this is not uh, right. You're a shame you're, podcast. Yes. Uh, so, but going back to your thought originally, so the Bundesliga is now being derogatorily. No, that's not the right word. But it's being f- referred to as a farm league, which feeds into my diatribe, where I think the German clubs care more about their bottom line than actually winning championships my criticism and like you well, said if it's your average age they they, they they it's like a trickle down economy isn't it uh, a little reaganomics for you if, if, if german clubs know the english club the english clubs are like 
hopped up on steroids because they just have all this billions of dollars from the Middle East, from wherever. Well, I think that's I think that's exactly that's exactly what it comes down to. I think if you wanna if you wanna get into the economics of it, there is you know the the Premier League, and I think that's also a very new development over the right. last couple of years. The Premier League just outspends the rest of the world in yeah. ways that are just dramatic. I think it's now, I don't have the numbers ready, but it's like, I think this, this latest window, I think English clubs spent like $2.2 billion on transfer fees or something, some incredible number, which is it's always uh, a new record, which every, is, every, but it, yeah. but it also is like multiples more than, um, than it than everybody else combined and it's not just the top you know it was always they were always the chelsea's and the not always but for a long time now they have been the chelsea's and the man cities or the man united's historically that had just more money than everybody else but now even bournemouth outspends juventus even leeds outspends uh most other teams so it's the entirety of the premier league and the premier league has and some of it is an influx from outside, like Chelsea's new billionaire owner wants to splurge wildly on anybody he can find. Um, or there's oil money, there's influx from other from other from outside, but there's also just a lot of money generated. The Premier League is hugely successful worldwide, it's now a global brand. They collect real money from their from their TV contracts internationally in a way that other leagues don't. I think. I again don't have the exact numbers, but what what ESPN pays for Bundesliga rights is a fraction of what right. what NBC pays for uh, for Premier League rights. So they they are in a different, I mean, literally in a different league financially than everybody else. So this is this is just kind of where these things go. And the Bundesliga doesn't have the same amount of outside investment because of the rules and because also all culturally, I think. I, I actually read an interview with the Farvel um, Bochum uh, executive uh, Ilya Kensik, and he was sort of talking about this. Um, he was talking about like looking for investors. You know, people are like, because Bochum is, you know, it's a small club, and they don't have a ton of money to spend. And then people are like, oh, you need to get investors. And he was saying, well, yeah, you can you know, you can find people, but it's always, there's always strings attached. You always, you're either, you know, they want a discount on the money they give you now for future ownership. You're basically, and you see this now with Barcelona and, or Chelsea, Chelsea now basically structuring their contracts long-term to comply with, with financial rules, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the Germans are too conservative. They, they are, it's like, we're not going to mortgage our future to um, succeed in the present. And so it's a cultural, I think it's a cultural issue. And it's also, mm-hmm. um, but it's also just a, ma- a matter of, I mean, it's it's impossible. They cannot compete with those numbers for the Premier League for now. And, but also historically, these things kind of change, right? They come and go. There's, it used yeah. to be Italy. It used to be Spain. The Italian league went through a real crisis that I think they're still probably in. And yeah. So these these things also change over the years. It's not like it's not it's not set in stone that this is always that it's always going to be like this. But for now, yeah, the the the, the German teams are 
are kind of and but everybody else is too. It's not just. Um, well, I'm wondering: is La Liga and Serie A also a farm league to the English Premier League? Well, I think they are still. I mean, I think they are struggling to keep up. Right, the top teams they have this. They have. I mean, much like the Bundesliga, they have a big drop between the top teams and everybody else. And this whole, you know, the whole idea of the Super League that came up, you know, which basically was was um, devised by the Spanish, by, by Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus. And that's basically, it's basically designed to help them out with their current cash problems, right? That this was all designed to, to give a huge cash influx uh, immediately to these clubs to, to be able to keep up and right. and balance balance their books somehow and also kind of enshrine their status as European greats into into the super you know because they were they were like these 15 spots or whatever of teams that wouldn't get relegated and I think this comes from a this comes from a concern of these of these these teams the Real Madrids and the Barcelonas and the and the and the Juve, I mean Juventus. Isn't I don't think it comes it, from concern. I think it comes from the fact that like we can make more money. I think. Well, we'll but I think I think money. I think concern about being able to keep up, concern about yeah. mm-hmm. um, being becoming irrelevant or becoming exactly becoming second tier to these like cash machines that are the English clubs. Well, you know, I think the Champions League does that. I think the Champions League is still a pretty balanced. Like, like you know, other than Real Madrid winning three times in a row, it's usually a different winner every year, you know. Uh, and some years the English teams dominate, but some years the English teams flounder, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then this year, so with all that being said, with it being a trickle-down, right, clubs like a Hoffenheim and a Bochum love the fact they can make serious cash selling their players to England. They, like, lick their lips on that. Because in that cash I mean, they can use to pay for everything. Like that, It keeps the clubs afloat, almost. Um, uh, but... Uh, the good news is only 11 players are allowed on the field at any given time. So the English clubs can buy established players. But the German clubs, like their scouting is second to none. has to be. Because they're always ready to go with next man up. And the next man up, who we never heard of before, all of a sudden they're there. They're hot. And six months later, the English clubs want that guy. You know, it's just basic scouting. At the end of the day, scouting, like really, really good top-tier scouting, and uh, uh, the youth development system, which which the German clubs have in spades, is 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 a great way to sa- essentially just save money on having top class players. Yeah. It's like we'll just make the next ones. You can buy them. We're going to keep making them. So, and then and then you look at the the Champions League uh, this week, which we'll, we'll, we'll touch on. We'll preview a little bit. Uh, four German clubs are still in the competition. There's the exact. I think there's more German clubs than any any other country except for maybe England. Yeah, I'm trying to think. You know. There's, there's still only one French club there. Um, uh, Napoli's there. I think Napoli. I'm going to look it up right now. But there's four German clubs, which which there have been in the past. I'll make it. Usually by the quarterfinals, there's really only Bayern. Yeah, um, yeah. I was I was going to say this is a bit of a. I mean, we'll see how it goes. This is a bit of a uh, fluke because the last few years this has not been the case. They they yeah. this is uh, it's not a it's it's uh, it's not a trend. It's this, but yeah, it's happening. And uh, no, I mean, that's the beauty of it, right? It's not like you can just buy your way. I mean, Chelsea, they just spent more money than than the 
gross domestic product of, of many countries on in the transfer window, right. and there's still it's still chaos. You you have to, you and they're up against Dortmund, to... right? So who's going to win in the Chelsea Dortmund game? I think I don't know. That'll be a fun game. That's it's a good example of this. That's almost like the haves versus the have-nots. It's the Dortmund are like the quintessential modern German club. They're like a big club with a big following, great fan culture, but they don't spend any money on players. So like all their players are freebies or from the youth development. They figured out how to make a roster without breaking the bank. And Chelsea is the exact opposite. They're like, they've spent like $900 million. How much, is that $600 million? How much did they spend? They spent a ridiculous amount of money this year. Amount of money. Yeah. That $2.2 billion in transfers, like 40% of that was from Chelsea. A lot of it is Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. And... And they're gonna, but but now with all that said and done, right? Now it's two games, toe to toe, eleven people on the field, ninety minutes on the clock. Who's gonna win? And honestly, look at that. And like Chelsea's tenth, right? Dortmund's in a good run. The defense is still a little suspect, yeah. but they're in a good run of form. I don't know. I think Dortmund can do that one, right? It's, it's, it's going to relatively... be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting game. I'm definitely. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch it. But yeah, because Chelsea, I watched a little bit of their game. Over the weekend, it's you know, it's like they play like they just met, which because they just met, because right, that's right. what happened. Right. And uh, I mean, it's on a on a on a lower level, same league, Nottingham Forest. Similarly, they have they they um, they just signed everybody. Not quite, right. not quite to the same you know the the same amount of money as Chelsea, but still a lot of players. And they now, I think, the last. Um, the last game they started two people that were on the roster when they got promoted. So and it takes some time. It takes some time. You know what their biggest loss was? Who was their biggest loss? Ethan Horvath. <laughs> they loaned they him the Kaler, championship. They got Kaylor Navas. Kaylor Navas is at Forest now. That was like bizarre. Absolutely, it was very bizarre. Oh yeah, absolutely about that. surreal kind of a kind of. <laughs> forgot a thing. about that. Kaylor but, Navas. Uh, yeah, Steve Cooper, the head coach of Forest, uh, I think that's who he is. Yeah, uh, said he regret. Said I forgot. He 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 praised Ethan Horvath and said that he's amazing on loan and crushing mm. it and and like he's like a little bit of a conundrum for him. And Stefan and Horvath, I think, are third and fourth in the championship. Right now, and they're, they're on like smaller clubs, right? Championship. Well, it's uh, it's uh, oh, what is up with my computer? Every day, I try to cancel Yahoo and make Google the default, and every week, Yahoo is the default. So, whenever your, I put stuff in, I get so confused. Your technology hates you. I, well, I'm just, I don't know. Um, I'm incompetent. Anyway, I think that's what I think that's the beauty. That's the beauty of this uh, of this game that you still. It's not like other sports. Like for example, basketball. You trade two players and everything changes. You know, right. you can you and and everybody just falls in line. It's like it really. It has to be a coherent. And and I think much more in 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 soccer than other sports. It's like it's more. Your worst player is almost more important than your best player on the on the field. Like your weak link is going to do much more damage than your best player can. And we see this in in MLS, right, where people then just drop these these superstars into mediocre teams, and it just makes little difference. Well, what's funny about the Champions League is this: for all the German clubs, 
It's like the haves versus the have-nots, I think. Let me take a look here. My, my Yahoo's driving me crazy. Okay. <laughs> so including Bayern, right? Yahoo, so, I didn't realize I didn't realize Yahoo still existed. I know. Yahoo me, is still a, is a website that you could go to? Me, freaking neither. <laughs> and they will not stop shoving themselves in my face. And you're they're the, mad. Because you're their last user. They don't, <laughs> they don't want to let go. Well, you're like, if, well, Stefan, you're, uh, if Stefan switches to Google, that's it for us. Well, then so be it, because they are not. You put in championship on Yahoo, and it's a bunch of links, and they're like, the championship basketball I like how you're giving it the European pronunciation. Yahoo. Yahoo. There was a time where Yahoo was, like, for a very short period of time, Yahoo was what Google became. Like in the mid to yeah. late 90s, Yahoo was mm-hmm. the big website, the big tech company. Yeah. But the little Google came by because their search algorithms were just maybe a little bit better. And the rest is history. Um, but anyway, so so the German matchups in the Champions League are um, uh, RB Leipzig versus Manchester City, which is very that's, much a have versus a have. That's now. next week, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's next week. So I'm just doing all four of the matchups. Ah, okay. And then the other thing next week is Eintracht Frankfurt against Napoli. Yeah, another really interesting one. Because Napoli is on fire. They're like the exception to Italy right now. They're like the only club in Italy that knows how to win. Um, and Eintracht Frankfurt's doing well, but I think Napoli is on just a little bit of a better trajectory than they are. Then it's the two games this week, which is like I said, Dortmund, Chelsea, very much have versus have not. And then the one German club that's the exception, Bayern München is playing the one European club that's the exception, PSG. Yeah. So like Paris Saint-Germain outspends Bayern probably three times to one at least, right? Um, or something. PSG definitely splashes more cash than Bayern München does. So Bayern München also is meeting their match. Um, but so PSG all... have struggled historically, right? In the um, uh, I'm talking in just the about champi- money. in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, please go. Talking, yeah, yeah. I'm right, talking right, about right. money. Although PSG has done well, they, they they were finalists when Bayern won. PSG were the second place team, and PSG were second place last year, weren't they? I think they have a couple silver medals as of late, uh, but they've never won. But they got Messi, they got Neymar, and there's that whole back and forth. By like Julian Nagelsmann's got. <laughs> Yeah, where did we begin? So all I'm going to try to say is that, that all four German matchups are the haves versus the have-nots. And the four German clubs are the have-nots, but they're very creative in their low-budget low roster building. Let's put right. it that way. Except for maybe Bayern being the exception. But, um, uh, yeah. But, like, you know, when Bayern lost Robert Lewandowski, they had Sadio Mane. But Chupo Moteng replaced him. But anyway... Uh, those are the four matchups. Now, PSG versus Bayern is the big blockbuster right. Hollywood matchup. That's tomorrow. That's and what we were. That's what we were talking about for months, right? After right. the World Cup, Manu and has been months. Accident, it's like they're playing PSG in however many days. Now it's yeah. now it's tomorrow. Yes, the Bayern players limped out of the World Cup. Uh, Messi won the World Cup, so the PSG players. Did a little better of the World Cup than, than the Bayern players did. It's been a little while. I don't PSG like Leo Messi seems to be in great form right now. Well, he's had, he missed the last game though. He had a hamstring. Mbappe is injured, and Messi is also perhaps a little dinged up unless he was well, that's the whole... held out. So they're so they're not they're not at their best right now. That's the whole thing. Nagelsmann got into a little war of words. They're having. 
PSG and Bayern are having a mental game right now. And and I don't know if Julian Nagelsmann's doing that on purpose or he's just flung into it. Because Julian Nagelsmann's also still amongst the Neuer crap. He, he mm-hmm. wants the news to be like, I want all that to, to be brushed on the rug. I don't want to talk about that anymore. And, and he's like, also, I was misquoted by PSG saying their entire attack isn't going to be there. Essentially, he was he's, he's starting to eat his words a little bit. So he's increasing his own pressure. But all the big players are confirmed to play. I think that was the thing. Like, uh, I think uh, Mbappe will be there tomorrow in the starting lineup. Let me see here. That's what I read today. Oh, is that is that official? I thought that was... There we go. Mbappe, Messi, in PSG squad to face Bayern. Okay. So they're in the squad. Whether they start or not, who knows. But I'll, I'll put money on it if they're starting, right? Isn't that the whole point that they're there? Uh, like, like, like if, if you pay a billion dollars for Messi and Mbappe for the entire season... It's to it's to play Bayern München in the round of sixteen. That's like the only game they're paying for because that's what they want. They want the Champions League. Neymar confirms director clash upset by league. <laughs> I'm just reading this new article. In addition, Neymar has confirmed he was involved in an argument with PSG sporting director on Saturday, uh, and then was mad that it was leaked out. You know, <laughs> so the PSG nonsense is still happening. They're all still fighting, but. All three of those players will be healthy and playing against Bayern München tomorrow. I don't know if they're coming off the bench or not, but they'll be there. And that's already quite a handful for Bayern München. I mean, uh, Bayern München has finally gotten their W's back with, with Wolfsburg and Bochum. Uh, but, you know, PSG is sort of the next level up. So we'll see if we'll, you know, like I said, <laughs> it's the next, PSG is the next level up from Bochum. Yeah. <laughs> well, from Wolfsburg at least. Um. Yeah. So uh, that'll be just two really fun games. Uh, w- w- how how are you feeling about the Bayern PSG game? Do you think Bayern is ready to win, or do you think PSG is going to prove to be the more quality than 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 they can handle? It seems like Bayern is getting it together. I think they. I think their their period of weakness is on the upswing. Um. It seems like their defense is sorting themselves out somewhat. I mean, I watched that Bochum game. I don't know how, how, you know, how much stock you can put into that. That Bochum, you know, that that is not Bochum and PSG are not on the same level. But I think I think this is coming at a good time potentially for Bayern. I think like three weeks ago, I would have been more worried about them. I mean, not that I care all that much, I guess, but. Uh, <laughs> One way or another, you are you're the you're the you're the Bayern guy. This like you know this this Saturday there was this big celebration, fifty years of fan friendship between Bochum and Bayern, and the the two the two fan uh, communities are have, have these have these long connections. I never I never really bought into that. I never I never really gave a gave gave a shit about Bayern, and uh, I still. I still don't really. I think now living in the U.S., I feel a little bit more sympathy towards them um, from a distance. But in general, I don't care how they do. But anyway, I think they're going to be okay. But it's a close... I don't know. I'm not going to say they're going to blow them away. I think they're probably... It's coming... Like I said, it's coming at a good time. I think they're on an on an uptick. They're getting it together. They're finding their, their, their rhythm. And... Um, and I think PSG seems like it's a little, they're a little banged up and not, not in the best of forms. But these, 
but these uh, Champions League games, they have their own they have their own dynamic. This doesn't always right. We can't always translate league form into what's going to happen in the Champions League. It's it's just it's just going to be it's just going to be interesting to see. It's hard to, it's hard to predict. I think Bayern's going to I'm going to say it's going to be a 1-1 tie tomorrow. Bayern's going to get a get a get a draw in Paris and that's going to put them in a good spot. Yeah, I think that'll be a good result. These are the games you know, like I am quote unquote a Bayern München fan. But these are the games in which why I'm the Bayern why fan. the quotes? Why the quotes? Well, because once upon a time like Bayern München is the German export, you know. Like, I was a big soccer fan for years, but I used to live a place where they didn't have the Bundesliga on TV. So the only exposure to club football was mm. by mentioned in the Champions League and the rest. In my, my first Champions League season that I watched, I watched the World Cup in 98. I loved it. And then I'm just like, how do I get more of this? And I realized there's this thing called the UEFA Champions League, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. The Havaldo playing for Barcelona, the great Barcelona years. And, like, the German teams were by mentioned. You know, with Mario Bussler and Stefan Effenberg and you know, sure, yeah. and Oliver Kahn and Sammy Kufor and and um, uh, uh, the Patrick Johansson, no Patrick Anderson, Swedish back. You know, I could name that whole team. Uh, you know, Michael Tarnat, uh, Alexander Zickler, all oh, these old yeah, school yeah, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Karsten, great Karsten Janker, up top. Oh you know. yeah, up top. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so Bayern Munich was there, and then the other German teams were Hamburg. 1860 Munchen and Bayer Leverkusen. Those are the other three clubs. Bayer Leverkusen still around. 1860 Munchen? Yeah. Really? They were, they were wow. in the Champions League. When was this? Well, this was not the 98-99 season. It was the what? Germany. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they, they finished fourth place the year before, uh, and they were great. They had that great coach. forgot his name. and Their, their leading goal scorer was a guy named Martin Max. If you remember Martin Max. He was yeah. a German player, played for 1960 Munchen for whatever reason, never played for the national team or not much. Anyway, th- that's what the German setup was. Uh, and Hamburg was, was also in great shape. Like I'm from that area originally, so I should have been more of a Hamburg fan, I guess. Mm. But they just never clicked with me. But 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 then all three of those clubs, other than Bayer Leverkusen, uh, like like you know, every year it was really just Bayern München and who else? So Bayer Leverkusen were also still in the running. But again, I just wasn't I was just more into what Bayern München had going on because sure. Bayern München just had, well, had a cool thing going. That's a club that's very cool. However, what soured me over Bayern München is the fact they won 10 years in a row. So the domestic game, it's like not fun anymore for, like to, for me to root for Bayern, beating up on little kids, you know. Mm-hmm. So, however, my Bayern fandom does come out when it comes to Champions League. Oh, that, that's back okay. to when I was a kid in the candy store. Mm. It's like, but it's because Bayern München do represent Germany against the world when it comes to Champions League. You know, half of their starting lineup is the national team. They are the they are the premier elite club, you know, and they are the only club that really can win it. You know, I know Dortmund and Bayer Leverkusen have been finalists. The last German team to win a Champions League other than Bayern was Dortmund in 97, and that's 25 years ago now. Hmm. So um, Bayern München is really the club. So when it comes to Bayern versus PSG, hell yeah. I root for Bayern. That's when I'm, like, unapologetically a Bayern München fan. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, I mean, like I, I said, I I feel that way. I feel that way a little bit more now that I'm far away. Right. I, I care more. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I just looked up 1860 Munich, 2000-2001 season. They were in the Champions League. Played two games, lost them both. 
but that's the that is the, that is the period in my life when I had only the first few years when I came to New York. I watched right. very little. I I didn't keep up. Well, it wasn't on TV then. It wasn't on TV, yeah. and I also just was like when in Rome. I watched a right. lot. You know, I was watched a lot of the Knicks back right. then. I Patrick watched Ewing. a lot of the Yankees. Yeah, Latrell, I mean, Latrell's well, 2000, 2001, 2000, Yeah, that was the, that was the team. Was yeah. I a big fan of Latrell Sprewell? I mean, yeah, I was a Latrell fan Spiel. of that team when they they made the finals without Ewing in was it ninety nine or two thousand? With yeah, they were swept by Marcus the, Marcus were, Camby Marcus, Marcus Camby. Camby. They were Latrell swept by Latrell Sprewell. They were Alan swept by Tim, They were yeah. swept by Tim Duncan and Daryl Robinson and the Spurs. Yeah, they had no the chance. Yeah. yeah, the Knicks always they were never they never won. They were always but they were consistently good back then in the nineties anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I watched a lot of basketball, watched a lot of baseball, got into the Yankees were good back then. Uh so I those years I have very little. My Bundesliga knowledge is pretty limited. You know who was big too back then? I guess I got my years kind of mixed up. If eighteen sixty was in two thousand, that would have been the next year. But Sturm Graz were really big. Austrian oh, okay. club Sturm Graz. Not really, really big, but I think they got to the semis or the quarters or something. You know, mm, mm. Um, now the only Austrian club that can do anything is Red Bulls Augsburg. But back then, it was Sturm Graz with the big club. You know, yeah. Uh, and then also it was a little more like varied. Like uh, Dinamo Zagreb was really good. They got far. The Glasgow Rangers had a good team. They went far. Like clubs that are small potatoes these days back then had more of a fight. Well, yeah. things change. Yeah, these right. things these things are not set in stone. Even though some people, Super League proprietors, like the, they want to set it in stone, but it's like not. the Dutch clubs, like Ajax and PSV, were like contenders. Yeah, yeah. Ajax made the final a couple of years ago, and that was a Cinderella story. You know, back in the day, that wasn't a Cinderella story. No, Ajax yeah, were, were no, that's a true. contender. Um, you know, I remember when Demarcus Beasley got to the semis with PSV. That's the best Americans ever done. Uh, but he lost a spot to Jefferson Farfan, who then later go to Schalke. Mm. Um, anyway, the good old days, the good old Champions League. So I look at tomorrow and sort of bring that back of like Bayern are the team year in and year out ready to go. You know, when they get eliminated from the round of 16, it's disappointing. Like when they were eliminated by Liverpool, was it last year or two years ago? Was it last year? They were eliminated by Liverpool in the round of 16. That was disappointing. Yeah. Might have been last year. Well, they've been no. champions. You know, they're one. They're always one of the. They, top were, the teams. they were the COVID champions. But I mean, but I mean, is it? Uh, but PSG against Bayern, there's no shame in losing for either of these teams. No. These are these are top. These are top teams. This but is, Bayern mentioned. I remember when they won in 2001. Like they lost in '99, that famous final where Man United scored two last-minute goals in stoppage time. Heartbreaking. It's the first final I ever watched live. And then they won two years later. They finally won. And then the whole point was they were supposed to win again soon, but they didn't. They didn't win in, again until Yopankas in 2012, mm -hmm. uh, where they beat Dortmund. Well, they had that final. heartbreaker where they lost on penalties against at home, Chelsea. Against Chelsea. Right, right, right. I watched that. That's game the, the only. Crowd. That's the only time I really felt bad for Bayern. I watched Watching that game that at game, the Triple I was Crown. Like, wow. Yeah. I watched that game at the Triple Crown Bar in New York. Oh. Uh, which is a bar we used to go to all the time. I was I just there. It. I was just there the other night for the first time in many years. I What's had that a, like over there? I had a burger at the, the food still sucks. <laughs> um, you know, it's a good pub for what it is. The basement. I don't know. I, like I, don't know. I, I I once I once at the Triple Crown like hardly bit into a chicken wing and it was completely raw inside. Yeah. 
And I was yeah. like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, the basement was not open the night I went. Oh. I was at this Christmas. This was at a, I was at a Christmas party, um, uh, like a work Christmas party around the corner. And then it was this friend of mine and I we left. I was like, oh, we'll go to the Triple, Triple Crown. And he was like, this place sucks. I'm like, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I used to go there all the time. I also go to my hangout spots because for the listeners at home in the basement of that bar, the way that New York works is like, if, if you do shows, if you're a musician or a comedian like we were or whatever, you do your shows in the back rooms or basements of bars. It's like where all the venues are. Because so bars, because in New York, bar culture is very competitive. So they're all trying to put up shows to kind of get people to come, I guess. And the Triple Crown turned their basement into a little theater for the improv community. So the bar was always full of improvisers like me. And it was a, a sports bar. Like it's, it's, a, it's a horse racing bar. Like Triple mm-hmm. Crown refers to the horse. But they always had, they have a lot of TVs and there's always foosball on TV. I went there to watch. It's got, the an, Irish, it's got an Irish theme Irish going on. Theme. They try to cover all their bases. Like All their bases, yeah. <laughs> Comedy, soccer, Ireland, horses, whatever you want. Uh, I don't know. I took my mom there to lunch once. It's a decent pub lunch spot, I guess, unless, unless you get a raw chicken wing. But anyway. Uh, I watched the Bayern München Chelsea game there, and I, I was just so when it was over, I was so heartbroken because Bayern München. It was in München. They dominated that game. Or it was in Berlin or something. They dominated that game, and then and then Chelsea just held tight, held tight, pushed in the penalties, and on a fluke beat Bayern in penalties, which is weird, which is hard yeah. to do. Bastian Schweinsteiger missed one, right? Did he? I don't. I just remember thinking Drogba made it, and was Balak oh. part of that Chelsea squad, or was he already gone? I don't remember, but it might have already been gone. But um, uh, I remember when that was done, me walking to the subway three blocks away to the end train, and I was just, so, I was like, like so depressed and so downtrodden. I was just like, whoa, like just dragging my feet, being like my heart was broken. So it's good that when they won again, but then they didn't win again until two years ago. So they're they're a club that should win more. They should win it once every five years, but but they they tend to win it once every ten years. Almost, you know what I mean? Like, I think they, if I were the, in the Bayern board, if I were Oliver Kahn, I'd be like, we need to win this more. Like, Real Madrid won it three times in a row. <laughs> and then they won it again last year, you know. Yeah. So, we need to be, you know. So, this year, Machen, Machen, win it again. So, you know, you got, you got the squad for it. You got the squad for it. Anyway, that's, that's I mean, League. competition's tough. There's a bunch of, I mean, <laughs> PSG has... Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. And Messi, like, whoever those guys are. Like I know. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna, I know. you demand you demand victory. You demand they 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 Come beat on, that Alfonso team. Davies. Get them right. Get them fun. All right. Get them, but you're right. They got in Yanzonga, they plucked them in, they're like prepared and ready to go. So wish them the best. We'll find that's we'll find out. preview. Uh, there's a also, bunch of Liverpool against Madrid, there's no German teams in it, but that's a banger too. Oh yeah. Well, I mean Madrid's gonna win that by landslide, right? Because Leipzig versus Man City is interesting because Man City is not as impervious as they've been in the past. And neither is RB Leipzig. We could have glossed over it, but the big game over the Bundesliga weekend would have been Leipzig, Union Berlin, right? And yeah. Union Berlin was able to get a 2 I watched two, it. One. They came, came, yeah. from, came from behind. Yeah, Leipzig looked like they were in control. And then... Union just uh, just turned it around. Yeah. Also sort of a semi-controversial... Well, not semi, definitely controversial. VAR called back Equalizer, um, which featured that whole thing about, I don't know if we want to dig into the finer is it, points is of the offside the defense, rule. 
the defense being involved or not or whatever yeah know. it's sort of like uh, uh it was it was a defender a leipzig def uh, um a, an union defender trying to make a play for the ball and hit it with his with his heel and then it landed at timo verna uh, at timo verna's feet and then the play sort of developed from there that finally led to the led to the goal and this then became this whole question of deliberate play where it right. used to be It used to be if you play the ball as a defender, if you try to play the ball and you touch it, that basically negates the, the offensive player being in an offside position. But that rule was now changed to now mean you have to have some kind of intention of playing the ball or you have to have made some kind of attempt. It's it's a weird, it's a weird, it's 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 basically the referee had to had to uh decide whether he made a play and he messed it up or he couldn't make a play uh, and it just sort of touched him inadvertently. And the, the referee, because in that case, then the offside would not be uh, negated. So the referee looked at it on the, on the monitor and he said, no, he could not make a play. The ball was behind him. He just lifted his heel and he made contact, but that was not him trying to make a play. And then the Leipzig coach Try to make the point. Marco Rosa was saying right. how players can juggle the ball with their heel 20 times. So to say that he that that couldn't that he couldn't have played it in that way was nonsense. And so that was the controversy. And it was it was it would have been a great story because they brought the old guard out. You know, they had Timo Werner and 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 uh, Fabio Silva. All these all these whippers supposed whippersnappers but when they were behind who did they bring bring in they brought in Forscott and Yusuf Paulson off right, the bench the, the old school guys yeah the old school guys and Paulson who has really been there since I know, third division third division well and, we talked about this they're they're like especially Forsberg they're not of the quality they should be i think they're like club guys are there people little, like them they're a little over over a little long in the tooth but in this case in this case they almost made a difference if not for this if not for this controversial call how anyway. do you feel do you think it was a good call or a bad call personally well i think it's i think it's a it was i think it was correct i think it was correct in the end i would say right i mean that rule is is odd right well the, the famous case was uh, a couple weeks ago was that manchester united goal Remember, like, uh, yeah, there's a few, a there's way. lots of, there's lots of examples. It's like right. it basically, and I think, I think it becomes, um, and that was called offside, right? Or was it, it called offside? Right, yeah. I forgot what it was, but it was very much no, like, the Man United one got called, was called on because yeah. he didn't interfere, which I even, thought that was though, also, well, yeah. I think that was a little bit different because that was, uh, I think that was also correct in the sense that, um, He didn't. He didn't really interfere. But it boils down to having to memorize. Like it boils down. This is one of those things where it's a call related to reading the players' minds. It's like you can't really read their minds, so you have to just make your best judgment. Well, and so also, and and also, yeah, it's not. It's not really clear cut because the and plus now with this like delayed when people call these offsides in a delayed way, they let the play play out. It's even worse in a way and. I mean the whole the whole point about the 
the Man United thing was like, oh, the goalie would have reacted differently if he knew he didn't have to worry about this player. But the goalie has that problem now all the time. Yeah, because you, always you know, play on any on any kind of on any kind of uh, on any kind of free kick into the box or whatever, you know, there's like five guys coming at him. Three of them might be off. He doesn't know, yeah. and. Uh, so that's a that's a thing that is a problem for a goalie, no matter what. And with this this deliberate play idea, I think it's it's um, what's problematic is that it sort of penalizes the player, the the defender for 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 interfering. Like if he lets if he doesn't know if the guy's offside or not, if he lets the ball go, and the and the the, the attacker gets it and he's off, then he's off. But if he tries to play it and he deflects it. And then the attacker gets it. Uh, then the the offside is sort of is 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 no longer in effect. So I think that that's odd about this rule that it basically it and that and that's why they changed it because it used to be like any kind of contact was bad. So then you have these absurd goals where this guy is just just kind of bounces off somebody and then you're not offside all of a sudden. So then they yeah. changed it, but now like you're saying, it's kind of. You have to consider all these, uh, all these, all these things. You know, all these. Yeah, intention. What could he have done? These hypotheticals. So that is difficult. So I think the rule is odd, but I think it was correctly and uh, correctly applied. Good. I think I think it was. That's good. So Union Berlin get their three points. Uh, two quick last thoughts. Uh, the big surprise game over the weekend as the Bundesliga dares you to predict it. It's Hertha. Hertha. blowing Hertha. away Munchen Gladbach. Yeah, it wasn't even a slight. It was just a win. It was. It was just. That's why. It's, that's why the Bundesliga is so special. It's like a club that that could like lose ten in a row. Their first win could be like a seven nothing destruction of Bayern Munchen <laughs> or something like that. I know it's a little bit of exaggeration, but but they beat Borussia <laughs> Munchen Gladbach. Yeah, they, they beat they beat Daniel Farkas, Munchen Gladbach, the young Joe Scally. They beat them four to one with Hertha Berlin. Yeah. Uh, and good. I don't know. Like uh, to me, this is probably just like an isolated incident, right? <laughs> I don't think it means anything. This doesn't mean that Hanta is all of a sudden going to go in a destructional phase in the last I mean, part of the year. But but it was still a fun result. Good for Hanta because that club always underperforms. Berlin deserves better. Thank God Union is there. Um, uh, and then the other last thought is, uh, well, I guess the Bundesliga race is pretty exciting. Um, they're all only a handful of points away from each other, right? Uh, and Union and Union is very much in there. I definitely thought this this would Leipzig would win this, and Union, yeah. you know, Union would sort of maybe drift to the bottom. That's not the case. Union is a point behind Bayern. They're not going away. Dortmund won. They are behind. They're there. Freiburg got another. Uh, Got a win back against Stuttgart. They came from behind, had a little trouble, but they're back and forth. Leipzig is in fifth. Frankfurt also lose, you lost pretty decisively to, to Köln. Right. Which was, was not a, which yeah. was not a shock. Köln has been very good since the break. Right. Um, but still, 3 nothing. So they kind of dropped out. Leverkusen had been struggling. They got a win at Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim really are. are Hoffenheim is the, is the trouble club. And and, and and they were just recently assigned a great new coach to, to, to right the ship and fix all the wrongs. Mr. American himself, Pellegrino. Pellegrino. 
Reno, Pellegrino Matarazzo, the boy from Jersey himself, uh, who sort of got his start. He's got a lot of starts, but he spent a lot of time with the Hoffenheim youth squads in his, in his back in his day. And now he's back to be the senior manager at Hoffenheim. Um, last week, I jokingly said that he'll be the new coach of Hoffenheim. Turns out I was less than 12 hours from being 100% accurate. You heard it here first. You heard, heard it here first for once. Yeah. Here first. And then because we thought it was going to be Rav Hasenhutl, which makes sense. But Rav Hasenhutl is still out there. But the coaching carousel continues as this might be a good sign of the times for American coaches. Because apparently Jesse Marsh is about to be the next Southampton He's manager. in contention for Southampton. Right away. A... My, my boy Bella Kotchup is going yeah. to be his, uh, yeah, his charge. Well, you know hurt. what that means, Bjorn? That means the next Leeds United manager, ladies and gentlemen, is Ralf Hasenhutl. <laughs> He's just, just going to go over there. <laughs> and whoever the old Hoffenheim manager is, He's up next, so um, it was for a little for a little bit at Leeds. They had um, former NYCFC player Andoni Iraola on the list, but apparently that is not happening. That would have been player? very exciting. Okay. Yeah, he, no, as a coach, as a ah. new coach. Yeah, cool. Well, and then um, yeah, so Bundesliga top flights exciting. Got Champions League. Um, okay, last super thought. I have all these last thoughts. Max Kruse at NYCFC, Bjorn. What do you think? <sighs> That's a tough one. You t- I mean, of course, you take him. He's a number nine. You need a number nine. What? what well, is he a nine? Is he a ten? He's like uh, he's whatever he needs even, to be. Is he even in shape? Is he? Does he even want to? He said MLS is interesting. I saw that in his in his recent double pass interview. Uh, yeah, he seems like a troubled guy. You know, like he's yeah. he's got uh, he's got that um, he's got a big ego. He's got a big attitude. I don't know. He's going to be. He could. He would have all the makings of the Euro import in MLS, who just kind of shakes right. their head and is like saying, "Like this is all stupid," and I'm not yeah. going to. He he has more. I America I would sucks. I would I would uh, put money on him being Rafa Marquez more than Thierry Henry. I would think. Yeah. Well, then stay away. Stay away. All right. Any uh, sort of last thoughts about the this week in German soccer from the Schitzel Boys? That's it. I got. All we right. did it. We did it. Um, we will see you as we talk the American Hour for a little more Schnitzel Boys as Monday night, Schnitzel Night, the fan party continues, and you're invited. This is the Schnitzel Boys Bundesliga Fan Hour, <laughs> and we've got German clubs in the Champions League. Machin. Yeah. All good right. luck. Good luck to all of. Good luck to all of them. They're not all gonna. I'm gonna. I'm hot take. Not all four are going to survive this round. Uh, press like and subscribe and whatnot. Rate and review. Tell your friends. Join the party. We're on YouTube. We're on Podcast Land. We're around. Um, send us an email. Say hi. Uh, you're part of the party. You're part of the. You're an honorary, honorary schnitzel cup. All right. Tschüss. This next to Woche. <laughs> <laughs>